20,000 feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars whip you're listening to Feminist Killjoys PhD, and our feminism, pop culture, and politics is discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing vulnerability in the classroom. That feels like not an exclamation point yeah, I was like... kind of title, um, but that's going to be the topic. Um, this might be a little more sort of... Uh, educator focused but certainly anybody who's ever been in a classroom um might be able to relate and honestly we're talking about vulnerability more general um and more more generally so uh hopefully this will be relevant across the board um yeah i'm stoked mel where can our listeners find us on social media we have a twitter account fkj underscore phd you can follow us there uh facebook just search for us and itunes and please subscribe to our podcast it's the easiest way to get make sure that you see us every week or hear us every week and also if you would be so kind to leave a review for us that'd be awesome just so other people who are searching around for feminist podcasts can see what we're all about yeah and we have two reviews right now and i want to read them because they're nice and we'd love to feature more reviews on the air so um a fan by the screen name locust 666 uh you can get a sense of our fan base um yes (laughs) amazing wrote quote big complicated topics examined thoughtfully and broken down carefully current cultural events viewed through a feminist lens a great listen that makes me think without going over my head end quote Yay. Love it. Thank you, Locust 666. We appreciate that. Uh, also, Sika D wrote, quote, we need more of this, less of everything else, end quote. <laughs> love it. <laughs> love it. Thank you to both of those listeners. Um, we would love to uh, read more. Uh, that'd be great. So thank you. And also, um, if you would like to donate to our PayPal, you can do that on our website. Uh, And we're also going to have a Patreon coming soon. And we'll tell you more about that when we get closer to it. But any help is appreciated, but no pressure. Yeah. And our website to donate is feministkilljoysphdpodcast.com. Nope. Sorry. No PhD. Feministkilljoyspodcast.com. One day I'll get all of our media correct. (laughs) Damn it. Um, And just look for the birdie. And yep. just click on the birdie. And then I also forgot to tell you, if you want to send us an email about anything, uh, topic ideas, or you just want to chat about something we talked about on air, uh, the Gmail is fkj.phd at Gmail. So yes. reach out. We have lots of places to be contacted. Yeah. So what's been going on with you, Rachel? Um, what's been going on with me? Um, my week has been busy. Uh, I won't talk about this at length because, as I told you earlier, we could do a whole episode on how ridiculous capitalism is and how it's stupid that anybody should work two jobs when, especially if one of those jobs is a full-time job, which being a professor is. Um, so, yeah, I'm working two jobs right now, and it's really busy, and I am not sleeping enough, and I resent student loans, and I resent Boston rent, 
and I resent that I get paid less because I am not tenure track compared to my other professors. So I'm cranky about that, but I'm actually not cranky right now. I'm in a good mood right now. So that's just been like a reflection on some moments of crankiness this week. Um, but a really cool highlight of my week was that um, the Gay Straight Alliance at my school asked me to give a speech at their Day of Silence event on Friday. And we had uh, an hour of sort of public silence where we just lined one of the walkways in the quad holding signs up with like stats about LGBT harassment and stuff like that and violence. And then we went to uh, one of the buildings on campus and had kind of like a speak out and I started it with a speech and um, it would, it felt, it felt really good to, to, to do that and that the students wanted me to do that and I ended with a really badass Audre Lorde quote that maybe I can put on our website and it was cool it was a good event that's awesome I'm glad yeah. that you have an active GSA at your school we don't have an active one there's just no nobody's interested I guess or students get really bu- community co- you know community colleges are um it's hard to, to have involvement when there's so many commuters yeah yeah or all commuters is there any campus housing there no zero okay yeah so it's all commuting um yeah and so the 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 way that they go to school is a lot different than in other spaces and they're right. always like bouncing around to all their jobs and right running around to family obligations and it's not a space in which a lot of people just hang out and have time to shoot to a meeting or something so yeah yep um yeah that is that that would be that's challenging yeah but Um, we need one i mean it would be good for yeah yeah for visibility sake but blah 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 so what have you been up to this week (gasps) what have i been up to this week uh it's been a pretty chill week nothing of thankfully just calm you know but I had a good time on Thursday I played video games with my students which that's I saw the picture that's that looks fun it was mega fun we have <laughs> a, I teach a, a media class and so we have a chapter about video games mm-hmm. and our school um, has a student center where you can actually check out an xbox and a wii to play oh, and cool. they have all these games yeah mm-hmm. so every semester I just set it up and we play games and it's a it's a nice way to break you know break out of the classroom and you know, I get to see, talk to students differently. And, you know, I it's nice because the students actually start talking to each other differently, you know, mm-hmm. because everybody kind of gets their seat and then they don't move around in the classroom too much unless you make them with group work. Right. And so, you know, just like there's these like women that after they did their assignment, which was to play a video game, they just like sat down and started talking. And yeah. in my world, you know, and the stuff that I teach and just the way that I am as an instructor, like I feel like that's productive you know for them to sit down and I could tell that one of them was asking one of the students about being Muslim Um, oh yeah yeah because I think I heard her say like oh it's no it's okay you can ask me questions you know it doesn't bother me because I know some people there's whether you want to talk about your experiences or not right um and so they had a conversation and me and my yeah me and my uh I have this white student in my class who like I loves me. We love each other, but we also like dislike each other because clearly like our politics are not in line and he's, yeah. you know, he's very confused by feminism and, yeah. but he just, <laughs> I played Halo with him and I played Super Smash Brothers and he mm-hmm. was just like so ecstatic to play video games with me <laughs> and we got along, you know, I'm yeah, sure you have right. those students where like, totally. we joke about 
not liking each other and right. but in a you know because we got in a tiff earlier this semester and but it's it's all good so yeah. anyways i love my students thankfully this is the topics of the day so i will not say anything yeah. else um yeah i was gonna say that would be a really good transition let's Did just you want to say anything else though about your week nah no nah, okay. let's go let's go right. yeah i mean i think it's i think it's interesting that that you use the word love. We can maybe talk about that when we're talking about vulnerability. But yeah, I wanted to talk about um, this idea of vulnerability in teaching, um, particularly just as it pertains to, I don't know, Mel and I, we talk a lot about, um, to, I'm talking to our listeners now, third personing you. Yeah. Or myself, no whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, we've talked a lot about just having the challenging conversations about things like Black Lives Matter and uh, when students are resistant, how do we handle talking about things that we're not only like sort of theoretically and academically invested in, but also like deeply emotionally invested in, like the fact that black lives do matter and the fact that, you know, think, you know, feminist related issues and those kinds of things. Like, what do we do with our emotions in that space when we're in front of other students? Um, and how vulnerable do we let ourselves be in front of our students? Um, you know, how much of our personal lives do we share with our students? And so that's sort of the general topic I wanted to start off with. Um, I have some authors that write about this that I want to quote, but I don't know, Mel, do you want to sort of just sort of maybe start off with um, just your general sort of feelings about about this before I get into sort of defining things? Yeah, and I, uh, thinking about this topic this week, um I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of um, my energy and emotional attachment to both my students and social issues, and they often intersect, mm -hmm. and uh, how emotionally draining it can be to be vulnerable with my students. Mm -hmm. And so I've been really <clears throat> thinking about this a lot the last two weeks and actually um, kind of reformatting how I approach my students. And it has to do with actually being less vulnerable and like taking a couple steps back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, so I think right now you're, you're probably much more vulnerable in the classroom than I am. And, uh, it's, and I think it, for me, it's a combination of like, I've, my content, my class content has veered towards the, well, I teach like a media, a general media course. I teach mm -hmm. media writing. I teach journalism, right? They're not mm -hmm. very emotional based classes where before when I would teach like social justice movements and analysis of argument, mm -hmm. I mean, all these things, you know, are very emotional. And of course I could get emotional with the stuff I'm teaching, but it just doesn't lend itself very well. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's kind of like where I'm approaching it um, today. And I think you know, my comments are more about vulnerability with students one-on-one -on -one, that, you yeah. know, start in the classroom, but then go outside of it and, and how I deal with it. So I'll probably be talking about that more. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are important distinctions. I mean, I've definitely, um, yeah, it's, it is, I think you're right because it is inevitable for me not to be a little vulnerable when I'm teaching intro to social justice and sex and gender, when I'm talking specifically about things like, race and immigration and um lgbt issues and all all these like things that are just the things that i'm like most passionate about in the world and um and also i've actually always erred on the side of like less emotion um 
and try really hard to maintain this quote unquote professional like distance um, in an in an effort to try to be uh, like valid and legitimate in the eyes of my students who might not agree with with me, which is something that I wish so badly that I didn't feel like I had to do because it's um I actually don't as a feminist don't think that's like the best way because I really do believe in some of some of these authors that we're going to talk about um and their approach to to emotion and vulnerability in the classroom but but I have felt like as a as a strategic move to gain um the like trust and respect of the sort of moderate to right-leaning people uh in my classes that that I can't let my emotion get in too much because as we know people in our society value quote-unquote facts over emotion um and particularly if you're a woman emoting you become instantly suspect and instantly delegitimate and uh, so I actually work really hard not to but sometimes I find it impossible so I guess maybe my first question might be like maybe prior to your sort of current route of trying not to be vulnerable like can you think of times when you just couldn't help it yes um and i was thinking through oh i wanted to add one thing that you were talking about in terms of the risk that we take to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. it includes our jobs because Mm, absolutely you and i know i mean i unfortunately the one that's coming to my head right now is melissa click who Mm -hmm. just got fired from her job Um, Mm -hmm. And she was the professor who approached a journalist, a student journalist, and told them to leave this student activist space um, at Mizzou. Long story short, you know, the crux of that was her getting extremely emotional about the space Mm -hmm. and defending her students. And I think a lot of it had, you know, some it was gendered and Melissa knows that it was gendered. Um, And so there's and this is there's endless stories about women particularly losing their jobs for becoming overly emotional um, Mm -hmm. in the classroom and outside of the classroom. So I think some of it is, you know, we're subconsciously keeping that in check because, you know, students I'm worried sometimes I'm worried that people are like recording me in the classroom you know anybody could and I don't say I would always defend what I'm saying in the classroom you know but if I unleash on a student about how their thoughts about the police are wrong you know and plus I would never say you know I think to answer your question the times that I've lost it is surprisingly um about women in sports (laughs) interesting (laughs) because you know why because okay Actually, I don't know. I've been kind of thinking through a lot, like, why do I get emotional about some things and not others? And why am I emotionally, you know, what emotions are tied to specific things that I get angry about? You know, when we talk about police violence in my classroom, I expect it, you know, or like, I feel like I can manage it better. Okay, but I think you like extra prep for those moments. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Yeah. But women, okay, the other thing with women in sports it just fills me with so much rage because there is no argument. Right. Like, right. I, because the arguments that come out of people's mouths are like, isn't it weird that, like, women can coach men's basketball? Oh, gosh. And I'm just like, what? Like, I don't even hear those arguments in my world. Right. You know, like, right. I, I hear the other arguments about police protecting people. It's like, yeah, 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 I get it. But I'm – so I lose it when – 
men bring up that stuff in the class. And it just happened with my love slash hate student that I have. Or yeah. not hate, just, you know, disagree right. with. And uh, <laughs> it's just like, I lose. that's when I lose it. I lose yeah. it. And I yeah. tell them, I'm like, I'm losing it right now. Like, I cannot handle this. Like, and I point, like, I have this... um student in my class she's a a racer like she does drag racing and so we often talk about gender issues in there yeah and I'm like me and Caitlin we're gonna make you sit here for two hours and listen to us so we're not gonna talk about this actually like I cannot engage with you and I actually shut it down because yeah wow it's just I get too angry about it I don't know why that is but it's just real and I tell them it's real and then we move on see that's really cool I think the fact that you're like naming it is uh is powerful. I think that's really powerful. Um, I, my route has been to be like, holy shit, I'm about to cry or holy shit, I'm about to get really angry. And then to just like use my like yoga breath to like ground back Uh, and then just act like, you know, like extra professional, like in the next sentence I say or something. But for me, yeah, the times have been, and I'm sure I shared this with you the years ago that it happened. So prior to the Black Lives Matter movement, when it was like, you know, in everybody's consciousness that, that of course, we're going to talk about the outrage of the disproportionate deaths of black men, which is absurd that back in 2000, what would that have been like 2010, 2011, um, when this incident happened, uh, that it's absurd that we wouldn't have been having a conversation. But obviously, the movement is powerful and has created that a lot stronger in people's minds. So anyway, um, I'm teaching about the dehumanization of black men and and we I showed the picture of the LeBron James cover of um I think it was Vogue when he's holding um Giselle the model and it looks exactly oh, yeah. like the King Kong picture uh-huh and so I hold them up side by side and we're having this discussion oh, and man. just like the vast majority of the class was like you're reading into it it's not that big of a deal like who cares and this was the day after um Troy Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Um, Troy Davis, Troy Davis, um, the black man that was on death row that people fought tirelessly mm-hmm. to get this man not executed. And I stayed up like Democracy Now! did like live mm-hmm. coverage. They were trying to down to the minute, trying to get him off death row and he was executed. And um, it was, I just was, I was so shaken by that because I had been part of the sort of effort from afar trying to like do that for years and so this and I just saw this failure of of our activist work and the death of a man that I you know obviously don't believe deserve that at all and so it was the day after that and the students were just like not having it they were just like eh, it's like not that big of a deal like and and I just my voice cracked I had tears in my eyes and I said you guys people are dying and I was just, and like people just like got silent because I had like never emoted Mm, (laughs) really mm -hmm. ever and I was basically in tears and just said you guys people are dying and uh, that was I'm getting choked up thinking about it um so that was like the first moment that I was like oh wow okay here's here's a moment I can't always like I can't always keep it keep it together yeah um and then since then there's been a like one or two times that I'll decide to like use an example of me and my mom growing up and like struggling financially and just getting really upset when students say like, well, you know, if poor people don't work hard enough, then they deserve what they get. And like, I just, my, like, I've gotten like visibly 
angry when I'm like, how about how my mom has worked two to three jobs, if not more, and, you know, my whole life and just like, I'll get really like kind of sassy and angry. Like, I think that's happened one or two times. Um, and then, of course, the only other time that that I that I struggle, um, quote unquote, keeping it together, which some people again, surely kind of think would probably think that it would be better if I didn't try to keep it together, um, is now that, uh, listeners, a good, good friend of, um, Melody and mine, um, uh, committed suicide this past summer and, uh, he was an amazing, amazing human. And, um, it's, it's, it's less suicide stuff that, cause we don't talk about suicide that often in my classes, but, um, our friend was a scholar of Chicano studies and an amazing activist. And so anytime there's anything um, related to those kinds of themes, uh, I get really, really emotional. And um, immigration discussions when people just want to dehumanize immigrants and I just can't. <laughs> um, so those have been the moments. Uh, and like literally just a handful of times, you know, that I've just like either had tears in my eyes or gotten like my vocal tone has gotten like anger um, in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, hearing you talk, I think like I've avoided some of those subjects in the classroom now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I pick and choose what current because I always do a current events section of my class like what's going mm-hmm. on in the news and like i i would never bring up like sandra bland in the classroom ever yeah. because sandra bland had a similar um yeah trajectory to our friend jesus and uh so i just like don't um and i so i'm just like trying to protect myself a little bit in the classroom because i mm-hmm. yeah because i think i use my vulnerability in other ways so that's good for you yeah. to like directly like you know confront those issues but I, think... I couldn't I don't think I mean Sandra Bland is such a close um that would be that would be like such a blatant trigger that I don't that I don't think I could do that um but I'm not gonna like skip a chapter on immigration be, you know what totally. I mean yeah um so so anyway um I I want to sort of get back to this idea of maybe we're actually doing it like there's a lot of feminist scholars that would say we're not we're doing it the wrong way by trying mm-hmm. to avoid these moments mm-hmm. but do you want to sort of first talk about your vulnerability in the one-on-one situations and we can sort of talk about the difference between the public private space sort of thing yeah and i feel like you know again like the the people who talk about that in terms of us doing it wrong you know i'm really like hung up on this job security thing you know we're Mm -hmm. in like very tenuous situations and we're you know when these when these people were writing about this stuff you know it was a different time not that i'm saying it was you know less you know less vulnerable then um not to be so meta about it but Mm -hmm. you know this is the time in which people will record us and if we're like crying Mm -hmm. in the classroom or like screaming at somebody because they don't understand the strife of immigration of immigrants in this country, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff that can get people fired when you don't have tenure and it gets people fired when they do have tenure. So, you know, just pushing against, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I totally feel that. And I'm, I'm thinking of our uh, professor, Sarah, remember when her mom passed away and she came to class and, you know, that was, I really appreciated that moment. Um, 
it was interesting because I was like, I would not be here in class. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that's yep. a kind of vulnerability that wouldn't get you fired. But I think the way that we are vulnerable mm-hmm. um, runs, yeah, runs there's the a, risk. There's a six- there's a social acceptance of like you're a family member dies. You're allowed to be like, you're allowed to cry. But if you're crying because like hundreds of black men just died, like, nah, you know, right. You didn't know them. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, or creating like a, you know, like there was these white guys here um, who uh, like wanted to fire an African-American teacher at a local community college here because she was making it a hostile classroom. Ugh. Yeah. And I'm like, that would be me. I mean, I think, right. I mean, my white privilege will keep me probably from some of that. Right. But that could, I mean, Melissa Click could have been me for sure. I'm a journalism yeah. teacher. I mean, right. I would have been protecting those students for sure. Right. So, you know, not to belabor a point or anything, but. No, um, but you're, yeah, you're right. So to um, talk about my one-on-one situation. So this is really where my vulnerability is moving towards more at this community college, because I can tell that some students are not, you know, it's, it's a hostile environment for them. And so something as simple as like, um, you know, my student doesn't show up to class for a couple days. I get really worried about them. I shoot them an email. They show back up to class. And then before class, they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I came out to my dad is gay and he kicked me out of the of the house and mm. now I'm homeless right. you know and then I take it all on and I'm like right. okay well now I have to save you and right. you know I go through that and I become very vulnerable with them and I share my experience growing up in my house um with my you know problems I had with my mom and you know like I don't under you know so I share as much as I can in yeah. that space, you know, I'm yep. like, oh, and I'll even make side comments to my students in the classroom before class starts. Mm-hmm. Oh, home life sucks. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I had a I had a bad home life, too, when I was a kid. And and so um, that's where it goes. But then where I get burnt out is that sometimes these students, you know, I'll give them all my energy and then they just drop out. So many yeah. people drop out at my school and they just yep. go away. And then I'm like, oh. Yeah. <gasps> what happened to you, you know, and then they, they leave and I worry about them and talking about Jesus, like I've, I've dealt with people who are clearly like not mentally well and I'm worried that they're going to commit suicide. And so I just like start contacting their counselor. I'm like, Oh my, like, where are they? I need to talk to them. And I can't talk to them because they don't check their school email anymore. And like, Mm -hmm. so I'm just, that's where I'm at with my vulnerability is like getting really into their um, personal lives when they bring me in. You know, and like the Muslim students I've talked a lot about, you know, they I'm like reprimanding my students. I'm like, if you hear any white people say any mean things to Muslim students, you tell them to stop like right away. And I worry about my Muslim students all the time. I'm always keeping an eye on them, you know, but where where it becomes draining is that like it's not necessarily a two way street. They're not asking me for the help, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. just giving it to them. I give it yep. all. Um, and so that's where, yeah, that's where I've been vulnerable. And, and this is where I'm like kind of working out stuff right now at school. And also with, um, you know, supporting them. The first episode I was talking about the pro-life club and trying to get that fixed, you know, those pro-life posters being up because I was worried about all my students who had had abortions Mm -hmm. or, you know, God, I mean, just so many things. No people, everybody probably knows somebody who had an abortion if you ask around, you know, it's like the numbers are high. Um, And I get met with like nothing, you know, I like put in all this emotional energy, become vulnerable 
in so many ways and then nothing the administration like does not meet me emotionally where i'm at obviously right so that's that's where my vulnerability lies right now at school i i honestly i'm in a i'm in a similar boat um and it's happened i mean it happened at minnesota when i was a grad student teaching but just you know we're teaching more classes now we're you know, our, our main job is, is teaching at this point. And so I'm, I'm, I experience it more. The situations are, I I don't know. I've, I've, I've just had so many things exactly like you're describing. I've Mm -hmm. had students struggling with, struggling with mental health. I've had students coming to me telling, you know, reporting rapes, reporting, um, domestic, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. relationship violence. Um, you know, and the list goes on and, uh, in those moments, I have also shared personal details that I have never shared in in class, mm-hmm. um, including, you know, being a sexual assault survivor myself, including, um, you know, talking, uh, ta- you know, talking about Jesus more openly with, with you know, all, all of these things. Um, so, and I agree that I've, I, uh, it doesn't happen as much at my school when students, um, there's not as much of a dropout rate, but I did have one student who I gave so much energy to. It was literally every day after class, she would come up and just tell me like, her. I mean, her her life was a mess, mm-hmm. and she would tell me about it every single time we had class. She would stay after class mm-hmm. and tell me, and I didn't know how to tell her like, you can't talk to me unless it's office hours. But it was like on in between classes. It was like after one class, before I yeah. went to another class, and I was just. just sometimes triggered myself and sometimes just incredibly emotionally drained and also just so worried and she ended up dropping out and I yeah she pops in my head like on a semi-regular basis and I and I worry about her and I wonder um I also just found out after this GSA event that there was a student uh and I I guess we're not popular enough that I need to worry about like talking about maybe semi-private information I guess but um uh but who cares I mean honestly fuck it people should know this um, there was a student that came up to the GSA president and told her that she should burn in hell and get burned at the stake and, you know, to die because she's gay and all these things. Like, just fucking said that to her, to her face. And this is after, you know, this Flags of Love display got torn down um, that I mentioned last week. And, you know, just like really blatant hate crime kind of stuff mm-hmm. happening. Um and I'm worried. I mean, I'm really, I mean, I'm yep. genuinely worried about violence. Um, not only, I mean, for this, I mean, not partially for myself because of what I teach and what I say. Definitely. Um, but obviously for these students who live on that campus and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a scary thing. And I want to make a comment. So we're both, obviously we're both sort of on the same page with that. Um, but I, I also think it's not a coincidence that um, we hear we hear these stories more. Um, I think I think we get disproportionate amounts of emotional labor as women. I yeah, think students definitely. are more comfortable coming and talking to women, um, particularly women who talk about things, talk about, um, you know, my students know that I care about sexual assault. My students know that I care about right. hom- like homophobia. My students know, you know, they know. So like, of course they're going to come and talk to me about these things. Um, but you know, this, we're not, we're not trained for this, you know, as, as professors We're <laughs> when you go to grad school folks, in case you were wondering, they don't tell you how to teach. 
They don't nope. tell you. Nope. They, they tell you how to write in a way that you can get published in particular journals that nobody reads. And that's about it. Yep. <laughs> um, and you have to figure the rest out by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting. And I feel like we're not the only profession like that. Like I have a friend, I have a couple friends who are librarians and I talk about how some of the ex experiences she she deals with that she should have like an honorary social worker degree. And I feel like that about us sometimes too. Like we're basically like part-time social workers. And I don't want to say that to disparage the work that social workers do um, or say that we're equal to social workers, but we get little doses of that, you know, or therapists or whatever, um, things that we're definitely not trained to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to echo the, uh, the sentiment about the violence in the school. And I think that's probably why I'm getting so involved with my students, mm -hmm. you know, like getting really attached to their problems. Cause I have definitely like, I've played out multiple scenarios at my school. I'm like, all right, when the gunman comes in, this is what he's going to do. Like, I just know, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it's real because I teach at a, a school in which that would not be a big surprise if it yeah. happened, you know, no, because I, yep. We have a uh, we have a black population coming up from the from they're getting displaced from North Minneapolis and they keep mm -hmm. moving further north and then mm -hmm. but Coon Rapids where I teach it's a very um, old time conservative town you know mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it's really a, a clash of cultures with no education behind it right and things are just not getting worked out very well. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I worry about that only because my students tell me what they hear in the hallways. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, if you're hearing that, like that is not good at all. And I know. Um, I know. I tell my dean and she's like, you know, well, you can have a, if you're worried about a student, you can have a security guard outside your classroom. Ugh. It's like, oh my God, is that where we're at? That's, that's the answer that I have a security guard milling around that's my office. Literally, and uh, yeah. That's literally the school to prison pipeline, like because those security guards would not like stop a potential bigot gunman. What they would do is probably arrest five more black kids for having pot than they would had he not been there. Like that's what would happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Ugh. Anyways, um, so it's yeah. but it's to the point now where it's it's not abnormal for her to suggest that I call security if I'm like if I have a host, you know, if I have a student that's really worked up, you know, like right. a, a white young male student who's really worked up and angry with me. Yeah. You know, the answer is yep. just to have security like kind of mill around my office. Right. Like, wow. Right. Yep. Just in like just in case. Um, and it's real. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> my friend. um he up in Minneapolis here he just it's kind of a big story in Minneapolis he just lost a friend he worked at a his friend worked at a law firm he was a clerk mm -hmm. and somebody came in it was a public defender situation and the person who was being uh who had a lawyer there was like mad about the way that he was being uh defended or like I can't think of like lawyer terms right now anyways went in and shot the guy yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. this, just like this gun violence is crazy. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really out of control and it really does scare me a lot yeah. at school. No. And I don't yeah. think we talk about it enough um, as teachers because nobody really wants to talk about it, you know, because yeah. then it's real. No, that's, but <clears throat> That's very true. Um, I think, I think I actually want to connect that idea back to this bell hooks quote that we have in the show notes. Um 
because I want to talk about like the root of that because the answer, mm -hmm. as we just said, the answer to preventing gun violence isn't putting a security guard outside your classroom. Right. So what is it? what does it mean, like, let's take your school, for example, when you said, like, this class of, clash of cultures with no education. So what does it mean, what could vulnerability have, according to Bell Hooks, in the mm -hmm. quote I'm about to read, Bell, according to Bell Hooks, like, vulnerability is actually a tool to create that education and those moments when you can, like, sort of transform people's thinking. Because the root of the problem of mass, you know, of gun, of gun, the kind of gun violence that we're describing of sort of like racist, racially motivated or, um, you know, homo bigot, bigot motivated, um, gun violence. Um, the root, you know, the root of that is bigotry, right? I mean, the root of that is, is race, like white supremacy and mm -hmm. heterosexism and all those, and patriarchy and all those things. So I'm going to read this quote and we don't, we don't have to keep talking about it and we're not, we don't need to solve like bigoted gun violence right now, but we can just sort of talk about it in general. But um, so Bell Hooks writes, uh, the teacher also has to be a person who is going a little further. I don't for a minute think that we can be teachers who invite students into radical openness if we're not willing to be radically open ourselves, if we're not willing to be a witness to our students of how ideas change and shape us, how something affects us so much that we think differently than we did before. So what if it's what if vulnerability is this like fundamentally important moment of part of education where you can actually start to transform minds? Do you think that if we shared more personal stories or shared how things impacted us more that it would change minds? And I, and I actually, I want to, before you answer that, I want to pause and like let listeners know, like as, as feminist pedagogues, that's the fancy term for teachers. Um, Melody and I do want to change people's minds. We're not like apologetic about like, we're not trying to like remain neutral at all. I, I don't mean to speak for you, Melody. Do you agree? Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I just want to start there. Like, like, sorry, not sorry that we actually do want to have our students walk out of our classrooms, like less sexist, less racist, less homophobic, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, go ahead. I would say, um, I think the reason why I don't say, you know, uh, you know, explain my true feelings about Jamar Clark or my true feelings about the inequality of women in Hollywood or, you know, something like mm -hmm. that is because <clears throat> I don't want to alienate my other students mm -hmm. and I don't want them to shut down. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I show up, you know crying or saying, you know, I'm sick to my stomach because of Jamar Clark. And I know there's students in my classroom that don't feel that way. Um, would that, would that make them feel alienated and then shut down and then not participate mm -hmm. anymore? But now that I'm saying that, um, I know, you know what, I was going <laughs> to close my door to my bedroom <laughs> where I record my podcast mm -hmm. but then last week he was like scratching under the door and I felt really sad mm -hmm. that I like locked him out of my life for an hour and so I was like oh well, I'll leave the door open and hopefully he won't come <laughs> visit me and then of course he did so no I like I like the random kitten meows yeah. but anyway so sorry, Daniel says hi yeah, and uh um but but now that I say that I also witnessed a moment in which after the horrible uh, shooting at the black church down mm -hmm. in North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, one of my friends showed up to a, a meeting outside of school, like sobbing, you know? Yeah. And 
she was so like impacted by what had happened and a more conservative woman told her a couple weeks later she's like you know you were so emotionally upset and it really changed my mind about that situation wow see that's literally yeah hooks's idea in in an example yeah so i guess i can't knock it till i try it but my my gut reaction is i don't want to alienate students and you know my my uh, conservative anti-feminist student that's in my classroom right now, you know, he's like, how do you feel about Jamar Clark? I was like, I don't want to really say. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wanted to know. And I was like, I, you know, I don't, and I said, I don't want to share my opinion because I don't want people to feel like they can't share because Mm -hmm. just because I feel this way doesn't mean you can't come in and talk to me about how you believe the police are, um, you know, also harassed and delegitimized and mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I do want you to share those things so we can basically work them out of your brain. But I didn't say that mm-hmm. part, you know, but <laughs> right. I do. If people really don't think that, like, there's a problem right. or if people don't like what's the big deal about the LeBron James cover, you know, right. um, yeah. I want them to be able to say that. And I feel if if I really share my opinion in class, um people will shut down. What What do you think about that, Rachel? Do you, Honestly, do you I agree. I mean, that's why okay. I count on one hand how many times I've been super vulnerable or radically mm-hmm. open, as Bell Hooks would describe it, mm-hmm. um, because, because of the exact same reasons that you're describing. And I actually, like, for better or worse, really pride myself that I've had multiple student evals that say, you know, you can, you can tell how Professor Tiffy feels about some things, but... Um, she always makes everybody feel comfortable sharing. Yes, me and too. I get those, and that makes yeah. me feel so proud too. I'm like, yes, I did my job. That's yeah, what, yeah. And so, and I and I think that is a good thing. I just wonder if I'm trying to sit with the idea is is there would it be possible to get those same same evals with a little more vulnerability? And I just don't know the answer to that. Mm. Um because there could be some really powerful stuff that happens if we were more vulnerable as well. Cause we see it in our office yeah. hours, right? I mean, I'm sure you've had those one-on-ones when yeah. students are like, Oh my God, thank you for sharing that. Like those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And it, I think, I wonder too, if it depends on what we're teaching, because like with bell hooks, um, you know what you're getting when you walk into her classroom, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. Um, and I would say even in your classes, people know what they're getting when they walk into your classroom, you know, but if you're teaching, you know, intro to communication or public speaking, um, how much room do you have for that? And sure, we could, I could turn my class into a super emotional situation Mm -hmm. and, and talk more in depth about how I feel about these things. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. With Bell, it's just like, and also Bell Hooks is, Yeah. I mean, she's writing from her experience where she's really cultivated this kind of class and the things that she teaches lends itself more towards being radically open. Yeah. I wish she was here to tell me what, you know, what I I should do. I know. I don't know why she didn't call in. Rude. (laughs) We really should. Listeners, we are, we're going to, we keep, we'll be like, oh, we'll bring on this person to interview and we'll do that at some point. I promise. Um, Not bell hooks, probably. That would be amazing. But other, other folks. um, (laughs) Never say never. Never say never. Um, Yeah, I think. I think you're right. And I've actually, so I went from teaching um, entirely in communication studies to now being housed primarily in a women's and gender studies department, um, as well as teaching this intro to social justice class. So I have definitely noticed like 
I'm thinking about this more because I have so many more opportunities where mm-hmm. it would be so easy for me to be vulnerable because these are the issues we're talking of, you know, because these are the issues we're talking about every single day in class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. And whereas I didn't in public com, I mean, people probably didn't the only, you know, the most I could do was like, I tried to show almost entirely people of color um, and or queer people like speech examples. Yeah. And like, that was like, but it was probably subtle because, you know, I don't know if they noticed it. So, so, but with, you know, sex and gender and interdisciplinary justice, those classes, yeah, you're right. Um, can we transition? I know we're kind of getting close. So I kind of want to transition and ask, like, we're clearly being vulnerable as fuck on this podcast. And there is this world in which academics, like, create podcasts and write blogs and write public essays, you know, for... Huffington Post or more mm-hmm. prestigious things that I'm just like blank, you know, whatever. Chronicle. Chronicle, et cetera. Um, so what do you think? Because for me, I like I like kind of live with blinders on as though like my students, my students will never discover this podcast. My students will never discover yeah. my food blog. My students don't know anything. You know, neither of us have our, I don't have my last name on Facebook. Mel doesn't have any part of her name on Facebook. Like I try to keep those things very separate but the reality is it's the internet and people could listen to this podcast and be like well (laughs) there we go like you know we're it's all out on the table so what do you think about this current climate when we're putting ourselves out there uh publicly in other ways yeah i mean i did mention to my media writing class that i had a podcast uh, Mm -hmm. because we were talking about script writing and um, another student had said that he had a podcast, too. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I, got, I have one, cool. too. But nobody really asked me for it. And if they want to take the time, like, I was a type of student that the, the teachers that I sought information out on were either the ones that I totally hated. Um, and I just wanted to reaffirm, like, my hatred of them, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. right. Um, and I would, you know, I did say, like, there was this media writing teacher that I work for in Milwaukee, and she was a homophobe for sure and wow. said some nasty stuff about people on her blog mm, and wow. I said I was like dude I cannot work for this woman like look yeah. at what she's saying like I do not feel safe and of course right. I didn't do anything and whatever yeah. so I have done that you know but okay to answer your question um I'm very particular about my online identity yep. and uh I do have a Twitter account that my other students can that my students can follow if they're smart enough and take the time they can find my other one my personal right. account i think if they found this stuff it wouldn't be a big surprise but right. also there's nothing i'm saying on this podcast that i wouldn't say directly to these people yeah you know my love hate student like yeah him and i he would get a kick out of this we could talk about it i would say the yeah. same exact things to him to his face um yeah but so, you wouldn't in class setting you're saying like you just you talk you you spend yeah a good five minutes talking about Jamar Clark last episode and you said you wouldn't do that in front of the class. So there is a little disconnect. That's true. I mean, I do have one student. I mean, I'm not grading her this semester that she, she listens to the podcast um, mm-hmm. and we have good conversations about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Are you trying to like get me on something? No. <laughs> I know that's what it sounded like. I'm like, like uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I guess, right. but it's it's a totally different context. I mean, you're not saying this to them in class. So no, that's... and I I guess this is like a convenient uh, 
mistake to be making or not mistake but it's like oh well if they accidentally hear it then i'm cool with that then great they're hearing my opinion and they should know that i i truly do love all my students even if i don't it's this weird thing that i think only teachers can understand and bell hooks Mm -hmm. writes about this like being in love with her students and like i do like it is crazy like the minute they come into my classroom and this is the other thing even if they love the police and think black people are lazy I still love them. It's yeah. so weird. Like I probably love my anti-feminist student the most out of all of them. You know, yeah, it's yeah a weird, weird feeling. But I really do, and it is, it's um something that's really real for me. Uh, so I don't know where I was going with that. But no, I think yeah, we don't. I mean, I think that's a good. I mean, I think that's a great answer. Um, and I think that it's again bringing it back to bell hooks who we're talking about a lot because she writes a lot of wonderful things about pedagogy. Um, she it's, it's no, it's no surprise that she's, um, a Buddhist and inserts her sort of spirituality into her academic like theory. Mm -hmm. And this idea of like loving, loving your students, um, sort of, you know, they're sort of flaws and all or whatever is is sort of this sort of spiritual notion that I think we get a sense of in yoga and like this idea of union and blah, blah, blah. We could have a whole episode on our woo-woo stuff. Um, yeah. But, but I think that's, but I understand that and I agree with it. To, and, I, and I think it's good too because um, we, ha- we all, you know, we live in, we live in a s- system that we have to grade these students. And I, and I do, you know, grade them without thinking about whether or not I like agree with their opinions or whatever. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, it is interesting. I am um, this semester. I've been more challenged. I, I usually would agree with you. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I love all my students too. Um, this semester, my, my social justice class, there's, there's a, a handful that, uh, that are tough to love, but, um, but, uh, but I do mostly understand that that feeling that you want to say that word love about about them, which is interesting. Um, and it goes back to this idea of just like care, like caring deeply about them. And like you're going through this like transformative experience with them. You spend months with them, mm-hmm. like, you know, going through the process of learning, which is like a really intense process, regardless of the topic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's pretty powerful and pretty special. So, Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this topic? I think the only thing that, uh, we didn't bring up that I know we've talked about before is, um, when we are feeling vulnerable ourselves with outside issues, like the classroom being this weird form of escape for us, like we close, you know, um, yeah. So I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that. Yeah, I, um, totally agree. Um, we've both gone through horrible breakups. We've both gone through, you know, deaths of friends, obviously. Um, we've gone through really, really rough stuff as, since we've been teaching. And there is this like Zen thing that happens that when you're in front of a group of students and you have to like turn it on for this beautiful hour and 15 minutes or however long mm-hmm. your class is, you get to focus so intently on this specific thing where you have to listen to your students because you have to respond to them. You have to like talk about your, whatever your PowerPoint or the media clip you showed or the, or the article that you're discussing. 
And your brain has to be there because you're literally speaking in front of a group of students who are expecting something from you. And I'm sure it's, I don't, I don't want to like try to take the honor of, um, parenting, but I'm sure there, but I've heard sort of similar, like you just have to like forget your shit when you're Mm. like focusing on your kid. And, you know, I think there's this like beautiful moment where you're like out of your head and you have to be focused on something other than your own shit. And, um, that is so true about this. And, and so that's just, that's just kind of like a, a selfish joy of not being vulnerable about your own shit because it's like a break. It's just a break from so many emotions in your outside life. Yeah. You, well said. That's I have nothing else. Yeah. To, I, okay. that's exactly what I wanted to just mention. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, important. for sure. Cool. Good talk. That was a heavy talk. I think I'm going to like trigger warning this, this pod, this post when I do. Yeah. We kind of just like randomly brought up Jesus and Sandra Bland and and rape and a lot of hard stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so on that light note, um, <laughs> I know how to transition. Okay. This woman is my dad. This woman, <laughs> this woman. I- okay, Mel, explain, explain why you're singing. <laughs> this woman is my destiny. I hate that song so much and we had a person come to our school to like he was like a cover artist and he i'm i'm glad that he's doing what he loves and uh my office is right next to the student center and so he's playing all these songs and i was like oh my god he's playing this stupid song and uh my partner hates the song like hates it it would play all the time at the Lynx games which is our amazing wnba team here in minneapolis better than all NBA teams. I don't care what you have to say. Anyway, side note. Um he hate it. he hates it. And so I t- took a video of it and uh put it on Instagram and uh Rachel was like, I said I hate the song and I said the lyrics are horrible like shut up and dance with me and then you said, "No, the woman's saying shut up dance with me." And then I and so I didn't actually know. I thought the lyrics were the man telling the woman to right. shut up and dance with him. <laughs> so I hated right. this. I mean, I think it's an annoying song. Interesting fact, I also thought it was Fallout Boy selling out the first time I heard it. <laughs> That's really funny. Cuz he's got that same like voice as the Fallout right. Boy singer. It's true, it's true. And I uh-huh. and so oh, I just hate it. And yeah. so it gets stuck in my head and then I always have to go this woman is ah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um so. yeah, that video is hilarious and yeah, and um so my partner actually kind of loves that song. He might be embarrassed with mentioning that on air, but um Shame. Yeah, it is. It is an annoying song, but I do have to say it's not. The lyrics are fine. Not, like yeah. it's not problematic, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe. No, it's it, like no. pretty much consenting to like her saying "shut up." Yeah, and, like, there's. I really thought it was the genders were flipped. Yeah. And yeah, so. no, no. Anyway, yeah. So, um, so that's what you're listening to. You're gonna come back to some other stuff that you're engaging with. I'm not listening to that song at all. <laughs> and if you make this our outro song, I will laugh. <laughs> I won't be mad. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Oh, it's gonna. It would be hard though because I have some really good music ones. Anyway. Um. From that, I'll just. I'll just tell you really quick what I'm reading. I'm reading this little cute, tiny little mini book called How to Love by Thich Nhat Hanh. Speaking of Buddhism, and cool. he's a wonderful Zen teacher. And it's just a little book with like each page is like a different uh, sort of meditation on loving. Uh, 
a partner, a friend, yourself, um, the earth, just really lovely things. And so this is my new nighttime reading. That's nice. Um, you read some really nice lo- stuff at night. It's really, you know, hashtag yoga teacher. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's really nice. There's a drawing of a kitty on the inside. It's pretty. Uh, that's what I'm reading. What are you reading? Well, when I go to bed, I read the New York Times, which is probably <laughs> a bad idea <laughs> yeah. because I read things such as this article that I really want everybody to read. It's called The Invisible Catastrophe, mm-hmm. and it's blowing my mind. So in this small, very privileged town in California, um, there was a methane leak. There's like some pipes near it in the mountain area, mm-hmm. and it leaked enough methane that it was equivalent to 1.7 million cars driving for a whole year. That's the pollutants that got put wow. into the air. And this just happened, um, I think, a couple months ago. It made no news, right? Wow. No news. Yeah. Um, everybody's okay. A lot of people moved out. They're privileged. They have the money, too. It's you know, It, it yeah. hit a place in which the resources are there. Um, but this article, I was like, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, my God. Like, how is this not? I ride my bike everywhere to like offset carbon emissions and this rich ass company in california leaked enough methane there's the equivalent of 1.7 million cars driving for a year yeah and this is why this is where it gets into like self activist politics are worthless it's like who cares like i'll just drive my damn car to the grocery store because right right this is happening. And what's so yeah. funny is, you know, the author was obviously upset and making the point like this needs more attention. And then the the funny part is that this was in the New York Times magazine and the cover of the New York Times magazine was not this story. It was okay. a story about an NBA team. Oh, my goodness. Like a feature story oh about the Golden yeah. Warriors. Right. Wow. Oh, so that's enraging. And um, we should also have an episode about um, like lifestyle politics. Yes. activism. That would I'm... be amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Uh, but yeah, I will definitely read that. Um, and we'll link it on the website. Um, so I'm really quick. I'm, I've been listening to two albums on repeat. Um, they are kind of polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, one is called Next Thing. It's Frankie Cosmo's new album. And Frankie Cosmo's is like lo-fi, indie, post-punk, dreamy, girly, girl, woman with guitar and some sort of like electronic uh, kind of things in the background, but in like a dreamy way. Um, and it's really cute and lovely. I'm gonna listen and to then it. I've also been listening to Kanye West's new album, Life of, pa- Life of Pablo, right? Where do <laughs> you time. get it? Did you get um, it on? Spotify. Oh, it's on Spotify now? It's on Spotify, yeah. It's so fucking good really oh my god i'm like truly obsessed with it um i can't stop listening to that to it it almost made me cry he does say some super sexist shit um so be prepared for that but he also like i mean if we just want to talk about drake never says anything about black lives matter and kanye is like so fucking explicit about race sometimes he's so okay thoughtful about his own life about his like mental health and like about his about the media um he's not perfect he's not consistent he talks too much about having sex with women in ways that's like not um humanizing uh but it's a fucking good album kendrick's on it chance the rapper's on it i think rihanna's on it um i think future's on it i think 
Um, it's full. I mean, it's he's just an amazing producer. The songs are incredible. I think you will like it. It is great. I will check it out. Yes. I don't have Spotify. You should get it. I actually, here's a secret I wasn't going to tell. I'm starting a Feminist Killjoy's PhD Spotify with all of the songs we put on, oh, uh, on the outro. That was a secret for me, too. Yeah, I know. It was. Melly didn't even know. Dang. Um, yeah. I'm going to release it as soon as we get a little more outro songs. Anyway. Um, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, you need to get on Spotify. Yeah, well, fun. I still live in 2004 and buy <laughs> CDs, okay? I have a Kendrick it's Lamar true. CD. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a Rihanna CD, so... <laughs> Judge I literally don't have anything to play CDs on. I have a Mac, so I have a Mac Air, so it doesn't have a DVD yeah. player. So I don't even. I can't. My even car play is a CD anymore. player. So okay. Oh yeah, I guess mine does too. And I think anyway. okay. Yeah, and my ahead. partner bought a, uh, a radio that I've inherited mm-hmm. now that they're cool. out of, out of the country. But um, mm-hmm. they bought it for. A, I think part of the reason was to have a CD player. Oh, yeah. Because they would get um, <laughs> CDs from the library and then yeah, want to yeah. play. Okay, anyways. <laughs> we live in 2004. It's fine. I'm happy <laughs> here. Uh, um, what are you watching or listening to or engaging with otherwise? Um, I'm really bad at music. So I've been watching. Um, my therapist told me I need to watch more Netflix and, like, ca- okay. like calm down and, like, yeah. just do TV's nothing. a great escape, for sure. Because all I do is just run around the house all the time when I get yeah. home. And ugh, yeah. I have too much energy. Anyway, so I've been watching. I broke my white man rule, and I've been watching more Louis, the Louis mm-hmm. C.K. show. Yep. And it's because he really does present women in, like, there was this one episode where, like, he runs into this kind of, like, weird woman, and she gives herself an orgasm in the coffee shop. Okay. <laughs> but, like, I will say that the fact that they showed a woman having an orgasm on TV yeah. It's like, that usually doesn't happen. Right, right. So, anyways, that was a weird aside. And then, um, I want to start watching The Walking Dead because my mm-hmm. students wrote papers about how awesome it is from a representational standpoint. Yeah. Have you watched it? Oh, God, no. I'm way, way too scared to watch that kind of show. I'm really scared, um, too, but I will try one episode. It's, um, I, I heard a conference paper about it at NCA last fall. Um, people, yeah, people think there's a lot of like rich material to analyze and work with. So I'm sure it's worth watching, but I could never in a million years do it, but okay. good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do it like in the morning with my coffee instead of yeah, like right before I would bed. recommend that. Yeah. Oh um, my God. I'm so scared. That's why I haven't either. Cause it's like zombie. Mo- it's like, no, yeah, I'll try. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it sounds good. Anyway. Okay, cool. Good talk. Um, let's try this. Okay. One, One two, two, three. WTF power. Getting so close. Okay, bye. Bye. Someday in bravery, I'll embody all the grace and lightness. Everybody understands me. I wish nobody understood me So you could be the one who did Embody all the grace and lightness The world is pretty big It's cool we fit on it It makes me wanna